Today we talk about ovarian reserve and its relationship with your chances of getting pregnant. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. So, what is ovarian reserve? And how does it have a relationship to getting pregnant? Ovarian reserve is a measure of your eggs. And the thing you don't want to have, any woman who has ever been told they have diminished ovarian reserve, at that moment, their heart probably sunk. I don't think there is anything much scarier than being told you have DOR. It sounds scary. It's also very depressing. Because the thing is, is that when people hear diminished ovarian reserve, they then associate with that with not getting pregnant. And we're going to talk about that today because it's not exactly connected that way. Sure, ovarian reserve does measure egg quality, but it's not measuring egg quality the way you think of. So let's first just talk about what does it mean to have diminished ovarian reserve? What does DOR mean? Well, the problem with DOR is the term is a grab bag term. What I mean by that is the example I give a lot is the word automobile. It means whether you have a car, whether you have a truck, whether you have a van. So you can't just use automobile if you wanted to specifically talk about a certain type of vehicle. Well, the same thing, diminished ovarian reserve, can mean multiple things. It could be a low count, meaning when we go to do the antrophocal count and we look and count up the follicles in the ovary, it could be low. It could be just advanced age. Anyone who's 44 or even above 42 would have diminished ovarian reserve because their age would lead to more abnormal eggs. Even it can represent poor responders, people that you give medication to and all their numbers look good on their ovarian reserve testing, but they don't respond as well. And then it could also represent egg quality. Now, the way we define ovarian reserve is we use several factors. One of the first is we look at what's called an antral follicle count. And that's where we count up the follicles on the ovary at the beginning of the month. The way I always think of this is every month you're going to release an egg. Now, from that egg that's being released, there were multiple eggs that were chosen and they're all growing, but only one gets released. That group of eggs that's going to grow, that is your antral follicle count. And why it's important is it means that's what you're going to get for eggs, right? If you only have 12 follicles, you can't make more than 12 eggs. So when that number is under 10, we call that diminished ovarian reserve. When it's above 10, we consider it normal. There's other tests that we look at. Another one's called anti-malarian hormone. I think this is the one that gives people the most fear. We want anti-malarian hormone to be above 1. And if you're younger, probably even above 1.5. So if it's under 1, we would consider that diminished ovarian reserve. And if it's really low, like 0.5 or 0.3, We'd even consider that severe diminished ovarian reserve. The last test we usually look at is FSH and estrogen ratios. 
The important number here is FSH. We want that to be under 10. When it's above 10, we consider it diminished ovarian reserve. When it's above 14, we consider it severe diminished ovarian reserve. But what's important is to look at the estrogen. The purpose of the estrogen is to find out if the FSH is valid. If the estrogen is too high, above 50, it's probably going to invalidate the test, especially if it's above 80. At that point, you can't even trust the FSH. But what does it mean? What, why is it bad to have these numbers off? And so an antral follicle count that is less than 10 means that no matter what, no matter how many drugs you take, no matter how well you respond, you can't make more than that many eggs. So you can see how that can lower the number of eggs you make. The same thing with AMH. AMH represents how many eggs you have for the rest of your life. So the situation, if it's lower, you're probably going to make fewer eggs. And so usually the antrophocal count and the antimalarian hormone, AMH, go together. FSH represents how well your body is going to respond to the medication. So if normally your brain releases one unit of hormone to make one egg, then if I give you 10 units of hormone, you'll make 10 eggs. But on the same token, if your brain is requiring 10 units of hormone to make an egg, I can even go up to 50 units of hormone. You're still only going to get five eggs, regardless of what your antrophocal count is. And so those parameters are how we define diminished ovarian reserve. But the thing is, is you can't just look at it and use a number. You have to look at the situation. So for example, let's say someone had surgery and they had surgery on their ovary. Well, then we're going to anticipate that the ovary is going to have a lower antrophocal count because they removed some of the eggs from the ovary and it damages it. So someone who has a low follicle count, who was, let's say, 28 because they had a surgery, I'm not going to be as concerned about as someone who is 42 and has a low antrophocal count because I know the age of the patient is going to affect their chances. And so who is younger, it's not that their antrophocal count is low because of a medical issue. It's low because of a surgery. Now, on the same token, if someone was 28 and they've never had a surgery and they've never had anything to do with their ovaries and they had a very low antrophocal count, I would be more concerned about diminished ovarian reserve. The same thing goes for if someone has a history in their family of premature ovarian failure, and mom won the menopause very early, then I would be concerned about that patient, just like age. But the question comes up is, does this mean in any of these situations that your chances of getting pregnant will be lower? So the simple answer is no. Your chances of getting pregnant are not directly correlated to your ovarian reserve. And that's because Ovarian reserve is not a measure of if you will get pregnant. It is a measure of how well you will do in treatment. So someone who has a low antrophocal count may not make a lot of eggs. Someone who has a high FSH may not respond very well. And someone who has a low AMH probably doesn't make a lot of eggs as well. But the thing is, is that it doesn't have anything to do with pregnancy because when you get pregnant, you can get pregnant with one egg. You don't need 15 eggs, but it's definitely easier if you have 15 eggs. So the important point here is ovarian reserve testing is not a test of your ability to get pregnant. 
It is only a test of how well you will respond to fertility treatment. Now, I don't have a great example, but one analogy I think that this works with is football. And I do like football, so a lot of my analogies come from there. And what I would say is, is that in football, before players are picked in a draft, they go through some tests. They look at how fast they are. They look at how high they can jump. They check many, many parameters. And that testing is pretty decent at predicting who is going to be good and what some of their abilities will be. But the interesting thing is it doesn't always mean how well they're going to be in the game. For example, Tom Brady, who probably is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, did not look good at the combine. And from all standards, that's why he went very late in the draft. And yet, in the end, he's probably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. So testing, although its intention is to tell you how well you will do, he was able to do better. And that's kind of how ovarian reserve testing is. It's a test to find out how well you'll do in treatment, but it has nothing to do with if you'll get pregnant or not. That is dependent on if the egg is genetically normal. Now, where this is most important is that when you are looking at your ovarian reserve, it's really important to understand the situation you're in. For example, let's say you're not even trying to get pregnant, but you're 32 years old and you go into your doctor and you check your ovarian reserve and it comes back looking poor. At first, you're going to think, oh my God, my chances of getting pregnant are going to be lower. I'm going to have a hard time. The problem with that is, is that it's true if you wanted to go into a contest to see who can make the most eggs, you're probably not going to win that contest because your ovarian reserve is lower than others. But that's not how you get pregnant. The way you get pregnant is you release one egg per month. So sure, you may not be able to make 12 eggs, but that doesn't matter because you only need to make one. And the other thing is, is that life is better at getting pregnant than us. We're pretty good at fertility, but we're not as good as God. And one egg is all you need. And so your body is better at selecting that egg. It's better at once it's fertilized and planting. And so technically, the chances are still good as long as you're ovulating every month. But then, let's say fertility treatment, such as IVF, it does sometimes take more eggs to become pregnant because we're not as good. We're not as efficient as it is naturally. So what this means is when you're looking at ovarian reserve, the questions we have to ask are, is, are you doing it to get pregnant? Are you doing it to bank a bunch of embryos? Or are you doing it for gender selection? If you're just trying to get pregnant, it really may not matter. So you have lower ovarian reserve and you can't make a lot of eggs. You'll get there. It just might take more tries. But if you're trying to bank embryos, then you run into a situation where if you're not making that many, it could take multiple, multiple tries just to bank enough embryos. The same thing if you're trying to select a gender. If your ovarian reserve is lower, then you may struggle to get enough embryos to get the gender you want. I see this all the time. One of the more common times I see this 
is when a healthy woman comes in, they've already had like two or three kids, but they have had all the same gender. And so they say, you know, I want to have, you know, a boy or I want to have a girl. And one of the things I tell them is, is that to do it, we have to do IVF and then we have to test the embryos. And the thing is, is that although they're very good at getting pregnant, that doesn't mean they're going to be good at IVF because their ovarian reserve may not be good. And that's one of the first things we test. And sometimes to a shock, some of these women come back with really bad ovarian reserve, even though they can get pregnant easily because ovarian reserve is a measure of making women make a lot of eggs, not if they can get pregnant. And remember, it's not normal to make a lot of eggs. Most women make one egg. There are some who make two, and those are the women who have twins that run in their family. But the point is, is that I see it all the time where women come in for family balancing, and I have to tell them that they're probably only going to make two or three embryos each time, And it could take multiple tries. So they're not a great candidate for it, even though they can get pregnant. So what does this mean then about ovarian reserve? Should we just not do it? Well, no, it does have a place. And I think the important part is to look at it to help you make decisions about when to start trying to get pregnant or if you need to freeze eggs. You should use it to determine what type of treatment you should do, depending on how many kids you want. So. When looking at it from the standpoint, if you're young and healthy and checking out your ovarian reserve, I do think if your age comes back low and you're 28 and you're wanting four kids, then yeah, you should be a little concerned. But on the same token, if you've been trying and you come in and you're 28 and let's say it's 1.2, but it's not higher than 1.5, like we talked about in young people, well, it doesn't mean that you have to all of a sudden start trying to get pregnant. Now, it may be reasonable to freeze some eggs, but you have time. At that point, watch it yearly. The same goes for treatment. If I know someone has severe diminished ovarian reserve, there are times where I'll actually recommend just trying artificial inseminations because IVF may not be a great option. If they can only make two or three eggs, why would it benefit them to do IVF? It may just be more beneficial to do IUIs. I always use this analogy where I tell people, In football, there is a situation where quarterbacks can play for years, but running backs seem to be only able to do it till about age 30. So there's a window of opportunity for running backs. And so you almost have to think of it like this if you're going into treatment. As a running back, if you have to make a decision, you're 27 and go, God, I really want to try being a running back or a quarterback you're probably better off starting at the running back position because you know you only have three years of a window of opportunity. You can always be a quarterback, right? Tom Brady's showing that. But a running back only has a limited amount of time. Well, that's kind of the same thing with IVF. You can do IUIs forever, pretty much, because you only need to make one egg technically for IUIs to work. But IVF, the power of it is in numbers. And so... If you have a diminished ovarian reserve, you probably want to do your IVF first and then later can do IUIs. In the end, the whole reason I wanted to talk about this is I just don't want people to be hung up so much on the reserve testing that they think it means they can't get pregnant. Yes, it can show that it may be harder. It can show that maybe your ovarian reserve is less than someone else. 
But the most important thing to get out of this today is your ovarian reserve does not determine whether you can or can't get pregnant. It just determines how well you're going to do when given treatment. As always, I hope this episode was helpful for some of you. I know many people have been in this situation where they're told their ovarian reserve is lower and they think they can't get pregnant. Hopefully this has opened your eyes and made you at least feel a little bit better that, hey, it's just a number. I can still get pregnant and you can use it for however you need to, but at least you know it doesn't mean whether you can get pregnant or not. As I always say, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell people about it. Uh, Rate us. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to talking to you again next week on Talk About Fertility Tuesdays.